You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. The Awesome Podcast Network presents The Republic City Report, a Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. Put your hands together for your host, Republic City correspondent, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Hello guys, welcome to episode 28 of Republic City Report, the Legend of Korra podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bridgewater Bender. Yes, I have returned. Uh, I have a couple emails that I want to read, but the most important reason that I felt I had to return is because, well, not only was book four announced, but the date of book four was announced. Uh, so I got an email asking me to come and get my thoughts on that, uh, which is probably something I was going to do anyway, because, well, it's kind of really important and kind of a, a big deal, especially given the time frame that we have here. But um, I'll get to that later. So this episode will really just be, you know, it'll, it'll be pretty short. It'll just be me catching up on some correspondence as well as giving my thoughts on uh, book four and everything that's been discussed so far about that. So I just want to take this time to remind all my listeners and let all new listeners know that uh, this is a listener feedback influenced sort of a podcast. So I very much welcome your emails. Um, you can head over to facebook.com slash Republic City Report and give that page a like if you want to leave a comment or send me a message there. Uh, you can also email me at republiccityreport at gmail.com if you want to email me. Now, with that being said, let's get started with this episode's correspondence. Uh, the... I had I had an email that I got actually uh, I just I just got but the the email was originally sent in July but I never got it until like last week uh, so Brandon uh, sorry that I never responded to your email I actually did not get it because uh, it turns out you sent it to awesomepods at gmail dot com which is also a valid email address but that email address is really for the network right because my podcast is a part of a network. Uh, call Awesome Podcast Network, and you can go to our website at awesomepods.com. You can also find us on Facebook. But the Awesome Pods email, I don't check that one, right? Because that's that's really my producer. He checks that one, and sometimes, honestly, he forgets to check it <laughs> too. Uh, so I never got your email until he checked the he checked it, and then he forwarded it to me. So I replied to your email once I got it. Um, sorry again about that. But as I said in your email, I'm going to actually read yours first. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you send in your emails to republiccityreport at gmail.com. That way I can get them all and address them on time and read them on there and all that kind of stuff. So if you want one of your emails read, just feel free to email me. I don't know if I'll be coming back too much more frequently before uh, book four starts. Once again, you know, if you listen to the two hour uh, season finale podcast that I did um, episode 27 I kind of went into detail about the kinds of things that would maybe need to happen in order for me to come back a little more frequently um, and with that being said I haven't really gotten a ton of emails so I'm just going to read the ones that I did get and then at the end I'm going to talk a little bit about book four okay so let's just get into it now uh, so Brandon wrote uh, all the way back in July 
Uh, let's see. It says, hey, so far, book three of Legend of Korra is unbelievable. How old do you think the Metal City is? Now, once again, this email is a little old. It originally was sent on July 18th. Uh, so, yes, obviously, Brandon, thanks again for your email. Uh, yes, book three was was very unbelievable, very amazing. Uh, I think I've said this before, but this is my favorite book of the series so far. Uh, if I had to rank the, the three books so far, it would be book three is my favorite. Book two is my no, I'm sorry. Book three is my favorite. Then book one and then book two. Now, I didn't hate any of them. But, you know, it's just book two was just my least favorite for different reasons. I mean, even though there was a lot of cool stuff going on in book two, I almost felt like it was a little convoluted and that there was just so much. Right. Because they they tried to take the opportunity to once and for all explain to us what the avatar actually is and how it came about and all that. And we got some pretty cool episodes from that. But just that along with all the spirits and Vatu and Unalak and Rava. And it just was a lot to to absorb for one season, I would say. I mean, it was just it just was between the spirit portals and harmonic convergence. It was very easy to kind of get lost and confused, I would find. And, and because of that, it's kind of my least favorite book. And, you know. But with that being said, I still love book two. But book three so far was my favorite. So, yes, very unbelievable. Uh, you ask, how old do I think the Metal City is? Um, that's a very good question. I mean, really, you know, I, I don't have anything to base this on. So I don't I'm not even really sure how to go about making that kind of a uh, guess. But I would probably say maybe about 20 years, right? Like, I don't, I don't feel like it's that old because for one thing, I think it's pretty safe to assume that the metal city was not built. And, and of course, if anybody out there actually knows for sure, then, you know, send me an email, but this is all, this is just me speculating because I haven't done any research on this. I know there's a lot of extended stuff out there that some of you may know that I don't. Uh, but, but to me, it seems like, it stands the reason that the Metal City would not have been built right until Toph became the legendary Toph, right? I mean, she's always kind of been the legendary Toph for us. But in terms of their world, she probably didn't become that until, you know, she became older and she became police chief and all that kinds of stuff, right? Because most of the, unless I'm mistaken, the statues that we saw of Toph in, in Zalfu were of her as an adult, right? So it stands to reason that they didn't build that city until Toph was an adult. So, you, I mean, that right there tells you that it's at least less than, you know, however many so years. And not only that, but, you know, Sue is basically the the leader, the main person in Zalfu. And we know that she was gone for a really long time. And she was also a rebel and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, all of these kinds of things just lead me to believe that Zalfu is not nearly as old as some of the other parts of the world. Uh, well, obviously not. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, I don't think Zalfu was a city that was built, you know, when Toph was a kid or anything. I think she was a grown adult and then Sue took over and maybe Sue even had a hand in building it. So I would say at the very least, you know, 10, 20 years old. That, that's the impression that I get from it. And not only that, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's 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 kind of industrialized, too. Right. So that's the, it stands to reason that it would be not as old as some of the other places, but still not as young as Republic City, maybe. 
Um, but then again, maybe I'm wrong about that because Republic City has been around ever since Aang was alive. Okay, okay. See, this <laughs> this is bringing a whole new perspective to things now because Aang and Zuko established Republic City, and we know that Aang has been gone for at least 17, 18 years, right? Because Korra came along after him. Um, so yeah, even even less than that. Then I would I would say that that Zalfu maybe even be five or six years old if you kind of. If you start to calculate all that stuff, which I'm not going to try because I'm, <laughs> I'm obviously going to end up forgetting something and make myself look like an idiot. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But, yeah, you know, I guess the short answer here would be that, you know, probably within the, the last decade in their time, I would say the Metal City came about. If anybody else has any opinions or theories on that, then feel free to send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com and we can talk about it more. Once again, Brandon, thanks so much for sending me that email. And I'm sorry that it took so long to get a response to you. Um, but make sure you email me at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Okay, so let's move along here. I have an email here from Haven on August 31st. And this was kind of, some of this is really in response to the, uh, of episode 27 of the podcast, where I was just kind of talking about, you know, whether or not you guys think I should continue the podcast in the meantime and all of that. So Haven writes, I definitely vote that you continue your podcast. I know that you're busy and it will be a while before season four comes out, but you could do your podcast focused on your correspondence. Well, here's a new podcast for you, Haven. Uh, and not to get directly into this, but of course we know now that it's not even going to be that long before book four debuts. So <laughs> it's it's you it won't be very long before I'm back in here on a weekly basis again putting these out for you guys. So uh, and once again, for anybody who may have missed it, we're I'm now calling the email segment correspondence, right? With a K correspondence. So that's what Haven was referencing there. Your next paragraph states, I would say that whenever you got a good amount of emails and had some time, you could do a short podcast or something. And I know you've mentioned something about you wanting to know how we felt as listeners about the length of the podcast. I personally don't pay attention to how long the podcasts are that much. It's only more for us to enjoy, smiley face, so don't feel like you have to rush things. It's nice to hear all the other emails and your opinions along with your explanation of the episode. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I've kind of been getting the, the 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 impression that for the most part, no one has had any sort of a problem with the podcast being longer than normal. Because if you've been listening to Republic City Report for a while, you know that in the beginning, for the most part, my episodes were about 20, 30 minutes, you know, just long enough to really talk about the episodes. But back then I wasn't getting as many emails either. So it made a lot more sense for those episodes to be shorter as I began to get more emails and the episodes became longer. And I'm just, I'm just going to kind of go with that format from now on. I'm not going to be as concerned about keeping it a short length because it seems like you guys don't mind that. I, I just, I was always concerned that it would be a little weird listening to one person talk about something for like two hours. Right. But if you guys don't feel that way, then that's great. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I have music on my podcast, because I feel like without that, you know, people may lose interest, may get bored or anything. So the music isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, I mean, with that being said, don't you know, don't expect any three hour podcast. I mean, I usually do just enough. I talk about, you know, just enough, however long it takes me to talk about the episode, plus whatever emails I feel like I can get to. Um, so if you guys don't care about the length and I will I will uh, I will remember that <laughs> with future episodes 
Okay, your next paragraph reads, One last thing, I recently figured out why Korra shed a tear in the season finale. Well, it's more of a theory, of course, but I think it might be the actual reason. Anyway, so Korra is in a wheelchair and injured, right? Well, through that time, she must be having some doubts about whether or not she'll be able to fight, do her duties as the Avatar, or even properly bend again. When Tenzin gave his speech at Janor's ceremony, he said that the Air Nation would travel the world to help restore peace and balance while Korra heals. It's pretty obvious that Korra's complete healing would take some time, months to a year or so even. By then, the world would have gotten used to the Air Nation helping them out with world peace and balance. So when... Ten mentioned when Tenen mentioned I'm sorry, that's a typo. Okay. <laughs> when Tenzin mentioned what the Air Nation was going to do while Korra heals, that basically confirmed her suspicions that she may never get better. The world doesn't need the Avatar anymore. The Air Nation can take her place when it comes to bringing peace and balance. Um Haven, I I, feel, I agree with some of that. Uh I mean I definitely feel that um that the tear that she shed at the end was because I think I mentioned before that I wasn't sure if it was because she was just happy for Janora or if she was just sad because well the situation that she was in and I really think it was just kind of a combination of both but maybe even more so the fact that she kind of feels like uh, she's incapacitated at, at the moment but I don't I don't know if she necessarily has lost all hope you know about healing and that it would take that long and and that she wouldn't that the world doesn't need the avatar um i don't i don't know if we saw enough of that moment to really to to assume that that she put that much thought into it right um i mean we'll definitely find out more very soon and i'm really i'm not i'm not thinking that this will be something that'll last a really long time um i think maybe the first two or three episodes of book four this will be a thing with Cora having a kind of recuperate and then i think things will kind of return to normal now by the by the end of it you know we'll find out what 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 that really means but um it'll be exciting to see the air nation now kind of going around and and stepping into her place but i i just just knowing what i know of cora and the the type of personality that she has she's very she's very strong right she's when and when you're dealing with someone who's very strong physically mentally personality wise and then they're they can't be that anymore then they're going to have a really hard time dealing with that right because Cora is very much the opposite of weak and right now physically she's weak and and for someone as brash and proud and almost kind of egotistical as her the fact that she can't really do anything right now is going to hurt her a lot more than it would someone who's not like that so I just think she's probably just, you know, kind of depressed. And But uh, I think she'll come out of it and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully things will just be better for her. And, and, and the things aren't nearly as deep and dark as you may be uh, sensing there. OK, your next paragraph. So it makes sense that Cora will feel saddened by this. It also makes sense for Asami to tell Cora that she could talk to her about anything. I know there will obviously be a lot that Korra could share with Asami, but I think the main reason the creators had Asami say that was because she was attempting to try to get Korra to talk about how she feels about her injured Avatar situation. Sure. Yeah. Um, One of my other favorite things about book three is how Korra and Asami Asami really uh, grew together in a lot of ways. Um, And it's nice to see that kind of friendship there. And yeah, I think in that moment, Asami was really just trying to be a friend and just trying to get her just to cheer her up and everything. 
um, you know, just to get her back together in order to go celebrate uh, Janora's big day. So, uh, can't wait for season four. It would be great if you do some podcasts here and there, even if it's just some notes about how you're doing and about how many listeners you're getting or even some stuff you found online or made that you post on the Facebook page. Have a good season off, Haven. Thank you, Haven. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> it's funny. You know, I came back with this episode and uh, I'm, I'm really trying not to jump ahead to the end because I'm going to talk about book four and everything. But once again, we know now that book four is coming back a lot sooner than we thought. So it's not like there'll be much time <laughs> off here for me. Uh, so you guys be, be ready for that. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next email here. Okay, this is an email that I got from Alex from Florida. Uh, I believe Alex emailed me once before and kind of proposed this idea for a core video game, and I kind of gave my thoughts on it. And for the most part, it sounded like a good idea to me. So I think this is kind of a follow-up on that. So it says, Hey, Tim, imagine this. You are greeted at the main screen to play the game. From here, the game begins. The intro of the game begins. The title, you ask? Legend of the Avatar. Maybe, maybe not. Choosing your element of choice, earth, water, fire, and now thanks to Korra and air. Uh, Korra has passed, and since then the new Avatar has been born. You. You get to design how you look, your gender, everything. You start off in a different place depending on your element, and you essentially work your way story-wise to being the Avatar. With the ability to make choices on what you say to people, affecting the relationships between characters and swaying how the public views you as the avatar. The villain and such can be determined later, but when I mention RPG, I just meant that you could play the game your way. The game should be an open world game and bending should be seamless. Switching between elements and fighting should be seamless. So anyway, hope you like this idea and maybe we could sway people towards it. Alex from Florida. Alex, thanks again for emailing me. I very much appreciate that. Alex, I have to wonder here, are, are you some type of a game developer? Or are you just a fan who's just kind of uh, just curious to see if people would react to a game such as that? Um, but yes, I mean, all of this sounds great. I mean, um, you know, a game to where, you know, it, it reminds me of uh, what was the game? There was a Star Wars game and I never played it, but I, I just rem- I had a bunch of friends that played it. Um, Wow, now I'm going to really look like I'm not a geek because I can't think of it. But there, there was a this, this Star Wars game, right, where you got to choose whether you want to be a Jedi or a Sith or just, you know, someone else. And you kind of played through. Uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was Knights of the Old Republic. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, but uh, an Avatar game kind of based on that sounds great. Definitely sounds great. Uh, the only problem with that is that, I mean, it you know, it... it it sounds, I think the idea of it sounds way better than I think it would actually turn out because I don't know. It's, you know, I mean, obviously we'd all like to have this perfect game based on one of our favorite franchises, but at the same time, how often does that happen? Right. But they're, they're definitely making progress here with the new game that's coming out on, uh, on PS3 and PS4 and everything. Uh, just in terms of what I've seen of that, as far as being able to switch from, you know, different from element to element and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, yeah, totally. Alex, I mean, this, this idea sounds awesome. Like I said before, I've always been kind of waiting for a game sort of like this to happen in the Dragon Ball Z universe. 
Uh, and I think it did. Like I said, I think there was a game called Dragon Ball Online, and it was basically like, like this. I don't know if it was ever released in the U.S., though. Um, but yeah, that totally sounds great. I mean, to be able to go in there and kind of make yourself in the game and, and choose what nation you want to be a part of and just kind of live and walk around freely and then learn the elements on your own. And if they made that game, I would buy it. And I feel like every single fan of Avatar Last Airbender as well as Legend of Korra would buy it as well. Now, question is, is that enough people to really get some kind of, you know, um, something going about them trying to make this kind of a game? Because, I mean, let's be honest right now. Things are not looking very good for Legend of Korra, right? Uh, especially now with the moving it solely online. And now book four is coming about so fast that it will be kind of hard for me to believe that anyone will come along and necessarily want to put that much money into a in, into a game like that, right? Because that game would take a, a, a really big budget for it to be done any justice. And it just would be hard for me to imagine that happening now as this property in terms of Nickelodeon, uh, the value seems to be declining, right? I mean, not to us, not 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 to the fans, but obviously this property is just not uh, what it once was in the eyes of Nickelodeon. Otherwise, they wouldn't be making all these changes and making it go online only and, and rushing book four and all that kind of stuff. So it's just a little hard for me to see um, anyone want to come along and put that kind of a budget behind making the kind of game that you're describing. And I don't know if, if there's much we can do to sway any company to do that. I mean, it, when, when it comes to these kinds of properties, you know, the, the people can complain all they want about, about different things, but the biggest way to make your impact, right. is not necessarily to send emails, not necessarily to post on message boards, not necessarily to complain on Facebook pages, but it comes down to money. And that's just basically what it is. So if you don't like something, you don't buy it. If you do like something, you do buy it. And in the case of Core, you know, if everyone would just watch the show online, you know, share it. And basically the bigger, the more people that watch, the bigger the franchise becomes, the more likely it becomes that they actually make a game like this right so i mean I, I don't know if there's anything that can be done to sway anyone other than that right like you just kind of have to you have to show that you're interested in in the the series and right now you know i think in, in, in nickelodeon's eyes they're not seeing that which is why we're getting the kind of treatment that the show is getting right now um but of course yeah it's a great idea and 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 i would buy that game in a heartbeat so thanks again for emailing me, Alex. Feel free to email me anytime. Let's see. So up next, I have an email from Andrew. Andrew, thank you once again for sending me an email. Um, let's see here. I'm going to kind of address this one, I think, paragraph by paragraph, just to try to keep everything together and not uh, be too confusing here. It says, hey, Tim, thanks for reading my email. And I apologize for the handful of typos I had in there. And thanks again for doing the podcast. It's great to hear that it's growing an audience. Just a few things I wanted to mention, hopefully some of which will make you feel better about the things you thought were inconsistent in the finale. Firstly, you wondered about Korra flying with fire and not doing it at any other point when there were several times she definitely should have. If you watch closely, 
She actually uses a combo of firebending bursts in addition to earthbending to shoot herself from one rock outcropping to another. So she wasn't maintaining a firebending stream to fly. I think the last airbender made it fairly clear that it is more or less an ability made by Sozin's comment. Although Azula maintained Fireflight for several seconds in the Boiling Rock episode. Uh... Yeah, yeah, and, and no, I actually did not. I didn't notice that it was sort of a combination of fire bending and earth bending there. Um, so yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Uh, the only thing is, is that then it still doesn't really explain why she doesn't do it all the time, all right? Uh, I think that that was more so my concern. You know, not necessarily that I didn't understand how it was happening, but more so that because it was a possibility, why wasn't she doing it more often? Um, so, you know, even if, yeah, she, she's using fire bending and earth bending to do it, then it still kind of makes you wonder, well, why hasn't she just been doing that, right? Because she's been knowing fire and earth for a long time now in terms of her, her bending. But it's really just kind of a small little nitpick <laughs> on my point. But uh, sometimes when you're scrutinizing shows on, on the, you know, the level that some of us do, you kind of come across those kinds of things. And as far as Azula maintaining fire flight for several seconds in an episode, I mean, that's the thing about it. This show, this, this entire series is great. But obviously there's going to be some things that, you know, slip through the cracks. And every now and then if you go back and see something, it may not be consistent with something else. But for the most part, uh, we don't have that problem with this show, and that's one of the things I love the most about it. So your next paragraph reads, As for the poison, they never actually said it was platinum. They said the bindings and the chains were platinum. However, it would make a lot of sense if the poison was a mercury solution because mercury exists as a liquid at room temperature and is inherently poisonous to humans. I think that hopefully will clear up any misgivings you had about inconsistencies. This would explain why Suyin was able to bend out the poison because it wasn't platinum anyway. However, you thought that Korra was metal bending the platinum chains in the end. I'm a bit divided on this, because it could be an ability that only an avatar could do, but I think it's also possible to use uh, air bending to twist the chains around his ankle. If you watch when she breaks out of the chains initially, it looks like she earth bends where the chains are anchored to the wall instead of metal bending the chains. I could be wrong, but it would be consistent with what the creators... Uh, to, okay, sorry, I think you have a, a typo there. Uh, and I know you appreciate the little details of consistency. Now, uh, yeah, okay, so I did actually go back and watch that part of the episode again, and you're right. They never actually said that the poison was platinum. I just misinterpreted it uh, because of the way it was said. So <laughs> this, this is how it played out. Um, Zahir made, right at the beginning of, of the final episode, Zahir makes a, a statement to Korra where he says something like, uh, you're not going to get out of here unless the metal clan taught you how to bend platinum. And then immediately after that, he says, and then we're going to, we're going to put this poison inside of you. So it was, it was because they mentioned the platinum and the poison back to back that I, I assumed that he was re referring to, um, the poison when he was talking about the platinum. Right. But, but you're right. They never actually said for sure that that's what it was. So I, that whole time I was misinterpreting, I was thinking the poison was the platinum and that the metal, that the chains were just regular metal. And I just figured that, well, Cora was just too weak to, to bend out of them or, or something like that, which is why I thought at the end that she was actually bending that metal chain around Zahir's leg. 
because I was still under the impression that that was just regular metal. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't thinking that that was platinum at the time. But this all makes a lot more sense now that you bring it up. Um, so yeah, I mean that that does make sense. And as for her wrapping the chain around his leg, well, I guess yeah, that could that could really just it could have been her just throwing the chain and wrapping it around because that's something we've seen before. It could have been her using air uh, air bending to do it. Um, I wanted to believe that it was metal metal bending because I wanted to. I guess I just was expecting the creators to not forget to re to remind us that she has learned how to bend metal, right? Because usually when you know that you learn something like that in the series, it's going to come back around somehow, right? Uh, but it didn't really come back around with Cora. Like I don't think that there was a moment to where we really got to see her use that metal bending, um, in sort of a you know a very cool big. Um, sort of way that had a big effect on anything so i guess i was kind of just hoping that that was it but yeah that de that definitely makes sense there um and yeah that would make sense why sue was able to bend it out so that definitely yeah it definitely makes more sense rather than them having this huge plot hole in there that i <laughs> that i thought existed your final paragraph says i've been re-watching season one and it is really amazing how much cora has developed a care as a character I honestly welled up a bit both times. I watched the season three finale. It just touched a chord with both how emotional Janora's coronation was and especially how sad Cora's face was at the end. One tiny thing I noticed was that the dress she wore in that scene, which you appreciated, was the same dress she wore in a ball that Tarlock held for her in the middle of season one. Use this detail, but it's kind of cool to see them going back to something like that. Sorry, this is going to be a long email. Luckily, you don't have an episode to read it on this time around. Well, <laughs> now I do, uh, Andrew. Uh, you mentioned that you believe the Zula is stronger than Ozai. I would have to disagree. I can't give specific episode numbers, but I remember Uncle Iroh incapacitating Azula with little trouble in Season 2. Then in Season 3, Iroh was unsure if he could defeat Ozai should Aang fail. While Azula definitely had the potential to be an amazing blue firebending freak, Iroh had much more experience than her, but he... he even he wasn't sure he could beat Ozai. So I would think that makes Ozai probably the best firebender in the world at that time. Uh, and then your email gets kind of cut off here. And I think you pick up with one after this that continues. But I'm going to go ahead and address what's been read here before we get too much further. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the greatest things about, you know, just watching book after book is watching Korra's Cora, uh, growth as a character, right? Because she's a lot less... She's still pretty brash, but she's she's a lot less. I don't want to say selfish. She was never selfish, but you know, she she would very much just be willing to just go directly into a fight and not really think about much. And other than that, and we we kind of see little hints of that actually in book three, like when they were in the uh, the airship, uh, when they were captured by the Earth Kingdom soldiers, and then the airship going back to Bossing Say, and she just kind of runs in there and bends and destroys the plane, and you know. Uh, so there's still those little hints in there, but those those little flaws that she has is well, part of the reason why we love her so much, right? So yeah, we definitely seen a lot of growth from her. Uh, I can't wait. I, I'm really just at this point. I think I'm just going to wait until book four is over, and then they and then hopefully they'll release some kind of a you know massive collection with all four books in one with you know art and some extra stuff and maybe some special cases or something because I don't I haven't bought any of them yet. Um, so once they're done, I'm just going to go and get the collection and then I can just sit back and just watch them all, 
again in a short period of time and make it easier to remember these things that I forget <laughs> a lot, like the fact that uh, the, the, these comments and things were made about Ozai in terms of, you know, the strength and Azula and all of that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're right because you've watched you. you I mean, you, you probably have watched these episodes a lot more recently than I have. It just sounds like it. Um, I just remember Azula just being you know, just this force to be reckoned with, right? And the reason why I said I thought maybe she was more powerful is because they never really, you know, they, they made sort of a an effort to show how powerful Azula was, kind of like they did with Zaheer this season, right? You know, we saw a lot of examples of how strong he was, and we just didn't see it that much with Ozai. With Ozai, it was kind of implied, right? Because a lot of times he was in the shadows and, you know, we never really got to see him fight a lot. But yeah, I mean, it stands the reason that he probably was as strong is because, well, he was the main villain. <laughs> he was the main villain of the series. Okay, so let's see. Um, I'm going to pick up with the second half of your email here. It says, sorry, I accidentally hit sin in the middle of that. Anyway, I think it only goes to show how much the poison affected Korra since Avatar State Aang defeated Comet Enhanced Ozai fairly easily near the end. As for season four, I still maintain Korra will die. I think it would be the most fantastic finale if she created her legend by somehow giving up her life to ensure that the connection to the past avatars would continue and that the avatar cycle would not end. Not that those not that those two necessarily correlate, but I would honestly cry if Korra died for the world and future avatars. It's fitting with the title The Legend of Korra. That's true. Um, you know, all, all of the ma the amazing things we've seen Korra do so far, I don't know if we've actually seen her earn that title, right? Now, I mean, of course, she's pretty much saved the world more or less <laughs> a couple of times now. But what I mean is, is that for that t for the for the show to be called The Legend of Korra, there's going to be some really big thing that she's going to do, right? And like, I just, I don't think we've reached that yet. So it may, it very well may be her dying in this book. I mean, we know now that book four is called Balance. Okay. And who knows, maybe the only way to really truly bring balance to the world is for the avatar to no longer exist or something like that. Now, where, where your email kind of confuses me at is that when you say, um, if she gave up her life to ensure that the connection to the past avatars would continue and that the avatar cycle would not end. Um, that kind of implies that if she didn't give up her own life, that the avatar cycle would, would, would end. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what, what you, what you mean by that, because I mean, even if she died, it would still end. If she lived, eventually she would still die and then the avatar cycle would still continue i mean the only way right now that we know that it would end is if she died in the avatar state so i'm a little bit confused about what you meant by that uh next paragraph a much happier ending would also be satisfying though no matter what it'll be good because these guys are brilliant as for your show i'm open to anything but i uh, really would love it if you did something occasionally maybe an about you episode like you alluded to before Maybe a couple episodes on your favorite Avatar, the last Airbender episodes. Mine is season one and season three finale. The Avatar state combined with the music for it gives me goosebumps. So anything with that is a great episode. Uh, especially the one on Roku's Island where he appears in front of the fire sages, if you remember that episode. 
When Aang says in the season one finale, no, it's not over, I just couldn't help but get goosebumps. Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. But yeah, literally anything you decide to do is fine. I liked Dragon Ball Z when I was a kid, so heck, I'd probably even listen to something on that. Just preferably Frieza Saga or earlier because I think <laughs> it milked it hard after that. Uh, yeah, okay, so there are a couple things in here that I want to address. Um, let's see. I agree, yeah, the guys, the creators are brilliant. You know, great show here. Um, well, see, a lot of this stuff has changed now, right, in terms of uh, suggestions on what I should do during the off season, right? Because now we know that there's not going to be much of an off season, <laughs> so there's not there's not much room for me to do anything much there, and there's not I guess there's not really much else to say about that. Um, you know, I mean, we still have what a little bit less than a month now, so I could still very well possibly come back with a few episodes in between now and then, maybe talking about some of the things that you suggested. Like, you know, just kind of giving you guys some more information on things that I've done and all that kind of stuff. Maybe a few episodes on uh, my favorite episodes of Last Airbender um, and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, there are, there are a lot of options. So I'll basically, I'll just see how much time I end up having and, and how realistic it is to try to pull that off before uh, book four starts. Uh, and even talking about Dragon Ball Z a little bit. <laughs> Okay, it says, wow, that was a long email. Sorry about that. I really like the two-plus-hour podcast this time around. So like I said before, the longer the episode, the better. Good luck with everything until either your next podcast or until season four. And if you didn't watch it already, the interview with Janet Varney and David Faustino, Cora Mako, is also a great one. It might be on the Facebook link you posted. It really shows that even the voice actors really love and appreciate the show. Good luck, and thanks again. Andrew from Cincinnati. Andrew, thank you so much for your email. Um, I very much appreciate it. Um, and you know, I don't, I don't mind the long emails, um, cause you, <laughs> I think you apologize a couple of times in there. Uh, the only thing is that some, something that we may have to do in book four is if, if I start getting as many emails as I'm getting now, I may have to ask any, everyone to keep their emails shorter. Uh, but I'll let you know, uh, when and if that becomes necessary. So until then, just feel free to make them as long as you want. <laughs> um, yeah, and the and, and once again, you know, about the episode length and all that, I will just kinda I'll just kinda use you know, my discretion on that in terms of how many emails I get and how realistic it is and how much I may start to lose my voice before <laughs> before having to stop. But thanks for all the support, Andrew. I very much appreciate that. And uh I've got the final one here from Andrew. And I save this one for last because this one pretty much just brings us right on into our book four discussion. And this email is part of the reason why I decided to come back and do this episode. So Andrew actually sent me another one two days ago that says, Hey Tim, you probably heard about book you probably heard that book four comes out uh at the beginning of April. Um I get okay, did you mean I guess you meant October when you put that, right? Or, or, or at that time, did you think it was going to be at April? I'm not sure. But I'm thinking you probably just mistakenly put April instead of October. I was just wondering if you could do a podcast episode on all of this. I'm actually pretty upset by it. I don't know all the details, but I'm compelled to think Nickelodeon is once again completely disrespecting the series. While I'm excited for book four, this whole idea releasing the next season a month later has Shady written all over it. If you could do a podcast or even a Facebook post about your thoughts, that'd be great. Thanks and have a good one. Andrew, thanks again, once again. Uh, if you would like to send me your correspondence, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. 
So yes, I'm going to go ahead and use this email as a segue into talking about the recent announcements uh, that not only will there be a book four, which we were pretty certain about, but I don't think anyone was expecting for them to announce that it would be coming out in October. Um, I think October 3rd, as a matter of fact. Um, don't quote me on that <laughs> because I could be wrong about it, but I'm pretty sure it's October 3rd. Let me just double check. Yeah, okay. October 3rd, we will have book four. Now, Andrew, I, I share your, your sentiment there. I, too, am upset. But, you know, it's kind of this weird thing to where we're we're upset but we can also we can't help but be really happy about it right because we love the show so it's kind of exciting to be getting it back just as soon as we are but at the same time it's going to make us upset because of the reasons behind it right because we know that it's not any sort of a good reason why they're doing this uh, but at the same time this is not really a huge surprise right because when they when they moved it to digital distribution only that was the first sign that things were not looking very well for the show. But I have to say, yeah, I, I am. It does make me upset. But at this point, I mean, it doesn't really seem like there's much that can be done about it. Um, you know, I can just go on complaining about it and being upset. Or I can just say, well, at least we're getting a book four. And at least we don't have to wait a really long time to get it. Uh, and from everything that Brian and Mike, the creators, have said so far is that all most of the work was done before any of this weird stuff with Nickelodeon started to happen. So it's not like the stories are going to be rushed uh, because they were already written and mostly done before any of that happened. So that is a very positive side to things. That's a very uh, that's a silver lining there is that we don't have to worry about the story suffering because of this shift. Right. It's not like they had a month to make book four. I mean, if it's something like that, then yeah, <laughs> then we, we'd have to be really concerned, but they were almost pretty much done with it anyway. So it kind of makes sense for them to just release it early. Uh, yeah. I mean, Nickelodeon is really losing a lot of fans because of this, you know, because you're kind of just, it almost seems like they're just trying to, to just get rid of the show as soon as possible. Um, and, and that, and sometimes, unfortunately that happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just not much else to really say about it. You know, it's coming back. That's great. Uh, I'll, I will be back for book four. So everybody get ready for that. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just excited to see it. And I'm, I'm just going to try to focus on that because if I try to if I focus on the rest of it, well, then, you know, it'll it'll only depress me even more. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, Andrew, thanks for sending me that email. Um, I decided to to mostly come back because you sent that one and you know i figured i had to kind of talk about this book four thing because i know it was very unexpected i mean how long of a wait was there between book one and book two right i mean it was at least a year well and, and we know why because you know originally book one was just going to be a standalone thing so then they had to go and actually create book two from the from you know basically from scratch which is why it took so long to come now, the beauty of that is that book two did well enough that Nickelodeon went ahead and greenlit book three and book four. So they kind of had the, the foresight to go ahead and kind of start developing both books at the same time. So thank goodness they took the initiative to do that, because otherwise we'd probably be having to wait a year, six months, something like that to get book four, which ultimately 
would have been a better because that would have meant that all of Nickelodeon's faith was still on the show. But unfortunately, it's not. But the bright side, well, we get Cora back a lot sooner than we thought, right? Um, so, yes, thank you, Andrew. Once again, uh, if you want to send me an email, send me an email at republiccityreport at gmail.com. Uh, head over to facebook.com slash republiccityreport as well. Uh, I just want to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the show, the biggest way you can help me out here to get it to more people is to head over to iTunes and just go ahead and click it and give me a good rating and just go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I very much appreciate it. Uh, I don't know exactly when I'll be back for another for another episode. I mean, once again, it'll depend. You know, if I happen to get 12 emails in the next week, then maybe I'll come back <laughs> next week. It's just going to depend. Um, but. For now, I'm just going to say I'm very excited about book four. I want to thank you guys very much for sticking with me, coming back, listening to the show, telling people about it, everything you've done there. Um, got some cool things over on the Facebook page in case you've missed that, so go check that out. You can also find me on there. If you go to Facebook.com slash Tim Bridgewater and then the number two, well, then you can find me and I can kind of direct you guys to some of the other things that I've done if you're interested in checking any of that out. Uh, but for now, I think that about does it for this episode. So uh, until next time for Republic City Report, I'm Tim Bridgewater Bender. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time. Facebook.com slash awesome pods and follow us on Twitter at awesome pods.